0: Welcome to God'splaining,
1: contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to God'splaining. Today, we are celebrating the glorious feast of the Lord's Resurrection, the great solemnity of Easter. Um, I'm your host today, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe. I'm joined by Father Jacob Bertrand Jansek. In sunny springtide, Washington, D.C., and from a far cave in the edge of the West, uh, Father Gregory Maria Pine. Say hello, fathers. Hello. How's it going? <laughs>
2: uh, I will answer that question since it was post Father Patrick and I prefer to talk than let him talk. So uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And um, I find my cave to be especially, uh, what would I say, good. Uh, that's that's the adjective I was looking for right now, because um, Europe just celebrated, celebrated. <laughs> uh, we we, <laughs> we just had daylight savings time, you know, a full two weeks after the United States, because, well, I was about to say something polemical, but I'm just going to back off. But um, so, yeah, I'm now at a healthy six hour distance from you guys again. Five hours was a little too close for those two weeks, uh, but now I feel like I can breathe easy. So, yeah, great to see you.
0: Yeah, it was nice having you answer those late night texts. And I was like, "Why are you <laughs> still up?"
2: No, yeah, because we—if I
1: texted you late from D.C., you would respond because I was going to bed and you were awake, and neither of us sleep more than like two hours a night, anyways. <laughs> it really worked—that six-hour thing—it was—it was working out well. So it was. something magical. But check out this transition. You know, Father Gregory—you know—will
0: soon be coming forth from his cave, and Jesus came forth from the cave <laughs> of the tomb, as he is now resurrected. Um. That was more of an uh, interruption than a transition, but that's all yeah. you know. <laughs> it's, uh, you know for, the, for, those, for those that follow the podcast on YouTube, you, know, you, you really get something special by seeing all of Father Jacob Bertrand's faces. Um, those of you that listen to the podcast, you, you get something special because you can imagine them. Um, and, and they're, oh, they're just as harsh and disdainful as your imagination would lead you to believe. Uh, but this, lap, this episode, wow, this episode is a Lectio Divina. We're considering the readings for Easter Sunday. So as is our custom on these festive lectios, um, let us begin by praying the Collect for Easter Mass. O God, who on this day, through your only begotten Son, have conquered death and unlocked for us the path to eternity, grant, we pray, that we who keep the solemnity of the Lord's resurrection May through the renewal brought by your Spirit, rise up in the light of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Father Jacob Bertram, why don't
1: you lead us into the first reading. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter proceeded to speak and said, You know what has happened all over Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. This man God raised on the third day and granted that he be visible, not to all the people, but to us the witnesses chosen by God in advance, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commissioned us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: When... Reading this text from the Acts of the Apostles, I was first struck by all of the sacramental imagery. So it begins with a kind of recounting of the Lord's public ministry in uh, its basic cont- contours, which we we know from the Gospels. So there's this reference to his baptism, and then a kind of veiled reference to his anointing, which we can associate with the sacrament of Confirmation, and then. At the end, it describes how the Lord commissioned us to preach to the people and testify, which you can see there, a kind of reference to the sacrament of orders, and then it talks about the forgiveness of sins at the end, right? So the the sacrament of penance, with mention in between about healing the sick, makes one think of anointing, and also of eating and drinking with us, that greatest of meals, as it were, but the Eucharist, right? So in this text, you have all of this rich sacramental imagery, which is told or recounted in the context of a kind of recitation of the story of the lord's life and i think that this gives us a kind of helpful key to the real heart of the christian mystery namely that our lord jesus christ took human flesh he suffered died he rose he sits at the right hand of power um, and that that's not something that's bound historically bound in the sense as not to be accessible so the lord did all of those things but those mysteries are still brought to bear On our lives. How? By faith, the faith which we profess in signal fashion at Easter through that um, baptismal liturgy, uh, but also through the sacraments. So, in a certain sense, the Lord's life is a sacramental rehearsal. um, And we are in the process of a sacramental drama, right? Not to make it sound like, you know, crazy, wild, and somewhat moody, uh, but in the sense that we continue to fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, or we continue to complete or fulfill um, what it is that the Lord said about in his public ministry, what it is that he sought to institute or establish, and those, those mysteries continue to be applied in our lives. So it's especially kind of concentrated, it's especially dense here uh, in the liturgy of Easter, uh, this fact that we have access, we have real living access to the mystery of the Lord's life.
0: One of the lines that stands out to me in this reading, uh, and it, again, this is the very center of the Eastern mystery, right, is this reference to the cross. So Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostles says, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. And this reference to the cross um, leads us back from Easter Sunday through the action of Good Friday um, to, to realize how it is exactly that God affects this new life. How it is exactly that His graces are made present? Well, it's it's through this it's through this tree, and for this reason we call the cross the tree of life. Uh, so we're not just talking about the Terrence Malick film, but we're ta- we're talking about the the work of God, the renewal of God, um, God drawing us close to Himself. So of course, when we talk about the tree of life, we have to think of that first tree, which was truly the tree of death, um, back to the garden where Adam and Eve. Uh, were themselves separated from God. The cross, which opens for us new life, um, is the tree of life because it restores us not simply to the life of the garden. This is the key, uh, that, that the cross is such a remarkable tree, not simply because it restores us to life in the garden, but it opens to us something greater. And the new life of Easter, the graces given to us by the Mysteries of Easter Sunday, um, by by the anointing of the Holy Spirit by the preaching of Jesus Christ uh, is a greater life than that was that, than that which was had by our first parents. it's a, it's a more special sharing a, a more profound outpouring of divine mercy of divine love. Um, so this is what is remarkable when we think about this tree that we see not only the work of God's salvation, but that we can we can think of what 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 a gift it is uh, by comparing this new tree of life, to that first tree of life that was given so many uh, years
1: ago. I think to draw out a few points, um, well, Father Gregory and Father Patrick both kind of highlighted some of the points that I was going to draw out, and I think that's, that's helpful, at least for my little thought here, and um, both of those centered on, on the, this notion of life. Um, that uh, Easter is about life, about new life, as Father Patrick was saying, about life, sacramental life, the life given to us through Christ, by Christ through the sacraments, through the the sacraments that the Church bestows upon us. Um, so, if we look at the reading, if we look at Peter's words from the Acts of the Apostles, Peter is preaching um he it's sort of the culmination of the christian life to bear witness to christ to preach the good news and he's doing that after the resurrection preaching in a sort of summary fashion he gives us as father gregory said um a the the whole kind of recounting of christ's mission from his baptism to his death all the way through his death to the commission to preach the gospel so peter preaches but he also says that our lord commissioned him and the witnesses to preach peter appeals um in this preaching to what we know. And I think that's a powerful thing for us to latch onto that um, Peter appeals to what we know, to to our relationship, however um, advanced or however new it is with Christ, that we know in some way, Um, sometimes better, sometimes worse, that Christ is our Savior, that Christ rose from the dead. And this knowledge ought to inspire in us a confidence that the apostles have, that the apostles have to preach and to witness to the gospel. Um, The church proclaims to us through Peter, the first pope, you know, the the chief of the apostles, the church proclaims to us so that we may come to know Christ, be converted, um, be healed and transformed by the grace of the resurrection, and also to preach to the world to witness to the resurrection. The resurrection, the life that is given to us through the sacraments, through the tree of life, through Christ's death, um, is not a passive reality. It's not something that simply happens and we kind of look at from a distance, but as Peter is preaching and, and inviting us to is a transformative reality that results in nothing but our ability to sort of proclaim Christ. You know, having met Christ, we can do nothing but preach Christ in the way in which we live, in the way in which we love, in the way in which we speak. I think Peter is at the, you know, on Easter Sunday is a great reminder of this of this Easter reality, of this Easter call, of this Christian call. Beautiful. Thank you, Father. Father Gregory, why don't you take us to the second reading?
2: A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, if then you were raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, your life, appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We, at Easter we Talk a lot about the resurrection and the earthly realities of the resurrection—that Christ rose from the tomb, that Mary Magdalene and the others ran to the tomb, Peter and John, and you know saw the empty tomb—and then later that Christ appeared to the disciples. and And that makes sense that we talk about these the earthly um, the earthly components of the resurrection because that's how we, as human beings living here on earth, um, are able to imagine and understand what happened. It's these earthly realities that give us the ability to have a sort of of what it could have been like, of what it could have, um, what that experience might have been. But the matter of fact is that Christ did rise in an earthly way, but he also rose to the right hand of the Father. He he went, uh, and he will ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. There's also a heavenly and a supernatural reality, not just an earthly reality. Um, this is important to remember in our own life, um, not just at Easter, but the Easter kind of as the High Holy Days gives um, direction to the entirety of our Christian lives. Um, just as Christ rose, um, but also rose in glory in heaven, um, so too for us. Christ is the one who leads the way. Um, we are we too, as St. As Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, are called to the right hand of God, to sit at God's right hand, to be sort of his beloved to we know we are heirs with christ Um, this is the destiny of every person and it's the point of the christian life not just to do good here on earth but to get to heaven that's what we're made for that's what we are called to live for this is what the life of grace and the life of virtues orients us to to imitate christ here on earth but also to follow him to the place that he has prepared for us in heaven to be with
2: him to be with him there um, sometimes I use these Lexio Divina episodes as opportunities to um, kind of test out some theories that I've been trying to incorporate into my doctoral research. <laughs> so we are Perfect. about to talk about the exemplarity of Christ. Let's go. Um, in some of the things that I've been reading about how Christ is a saving example, you'll have um, authors talk about a kind of twofold way in which Christ is an example. So he models us, you know, the life of human virtue, but he also models to us the life of the divine attributes, right? So sometimes when we think like, you know, be like Jesus or follow Jesus or imitate Jesus, we think like, be like a really swell fella, you know, like be a great guy, you know, like tons of backpats and high fives all around. It's going to be great. Um, But when it says here in this reading, if you were raised with Christ, seek what is above. It's not just like, you know, you you should think about, um, you know, like public sanitation. And maybe you should think about, you know, like, I don't know habitat for humanity. It's like, no, no, no. What we're talking about here is like God. Okay. <laughs> Those are good things for sure. But the only reason for which they are good is because they issue from God, right? So every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the father of lights. So the, the way that we are attained to said heights is described in the, um, the particular passage under consideration where it says, <clears throat> you've died with him. Your life is hidden with him. When Christ, your life appears, you too will appear with him in glory. Which is to say, like, you pass through the mysteries of Christ's life, and in so doing, you are made like him. Which is to say you're made like God in a real, real way, in a thick way, not in just like a hallmark card kind of way. Um, So if we pass by way of the virtues, it's ultimately to attain to the very life of God. Which is comforting, because if Christianity were just about being nice or kind or like a swell fella, (laughs) we'd be in trouble. That
0: was a nice recapitulation of the swell fella. Good, good work there. Uh, the, the, the lines that jump out to me are uh, the right hand of God. Um, and wh- why is the right hand of God so awesome? Because this is a way of talking about God's power, um, his authority, right? The right hand of God is is not just a place um, where the true resurrected body of Christ is and where it is seated, as the scriptures testify. Um, but seated at the right hand of God means to continue to have the authority of of God, Uh which is to say the governance over all creation the order the ordering and directing of all things and um, the na- the navigation of the perils of this side of eternity all, all of this is all of this is being done by the resurrected Christ uh, in in the name of the father um, even still um seated at the right hand of god means to have have come to this place of acclaim this place of glory this place um, where where Christ the the son is recognized and uh, in whom we rejoice. And so on, on Easter Sunday, um, this idea of the right hand of God is less about um, Christ being far from us, you know, in a, in a place that is not here and now, and more about the right hand of God showing us um, Christ's true glory, his true authority, um, his victory over sin and death. So to that end, um, before we proclaim the gospel on Easter Sunday morning, we have this beautiful ancient hymn um, called the Easter Sunday sequence, so Father Gregory is going to read the sequence. Um, hopefully, you will hear it sung in the liturgy of your parish churches. Um, but in the event that you don't hear it sung, um, maybe you'll hear it recited. But the words are worth, and the words are worth our, our meditation and our prayer um, bef- before we listen to the Holy Gospel.
2: Christians, to the Paschal Victim, offer your thankful praises. A lamb the sheep redeems, Christ who only is sinless, reconciles sinners to the Father. Death and life have contended in that combat stupendous. The Prince of Life who died reigns immortal. Speak, Mary, declaring what you saw wayfaring, the tomb of Christ who is living, the glory of Jesus' resurrection, bright angels attesting, the shroud and napkin resting. Yes, Christ, my hope is arisen. To Galilee he goes before you. Christ, indeed, from death is risen, our new life obtaining. Have mercy, victor king, ever reigning. Amen. Alleluia.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the things that I find most remarkable um, about the gospels, and particularly these these gospels that we've heard, the accounts of the Lord's Passion, um, you know, like the, 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 the account we heard on Palm Sunday, we heard of the streaker in the middle of Mark's gospel, you know, this guy that this this guy that loses his clothing and ends up running around naked. Um, you know, we, we have we have details like these that that, that make the story of Jesus come alive for us. And even in this account of the evangelists, even in this account of John uh, discovering that the Lord has truly risen, we, we see those details. And for me, it makes it easier to believe. Why else write that the cloth that had covered his face was folded up in a separate place? Who would make that up. Why would you say that, that? Why would you say that there was one pile of cloth here and, and one other cloth in a random place? These these details, these accounts, remind us that the testimony that we receive in the scriptures is the testimony of eyewitnesses, people who saw with their own eyes the evidence that the things that Jesus promised would come true indeed came to pass. And for this reason, these little details of the Holy Gospels are are so profound. They move our hearts to belief. They they make it easier for us to know that the impossible has happened,
1: that he who died now lives. One of the one of the stars of the Easter Sunday morning gospel, of course, is well, the star is is Jesus. Yeah, he kind of, <laughs> he's, it's kind of about Jesus. Would so you he say wouldn't. he's but a superstar? The, I wouldn't. That'd be that'd be a little too. Uh, I don't know, saccharine, I think, for me, Father, but thanks You for that. You certainly uh, wouldn't sing uh, it, yeah. No, uh, no, mm-mm. All right, back to my <laughs> gospel thoughts. <laughs> uh, another star is, is Mary Magdalene. Um, Mary Magdalene is... Um, yeah, she she is somebody who is, is front and center in the gospel. And today's gospel from John, um, she goes to report to Simon Peter and, the, and John, the beloved disciple, that the tomb was empty. But it, in other passages, we have the episode, or in other sections, we have the episode of um, Mary coming upon the empty tomb and being the first to witness our risen Lord, who she confuses for a gardener. And you have this beautiful interplay, or in this beautiful, not interplay, but introduction or um insight into the into their relationship and and into our lord's love for mary and our and, and mary's love for our lord and traditionally mary magdalene is known as the apostle to the apostles here because of her because of her, her preaching of the resurrection she brings the news of the resurrected christ to the apostles themselves and there's um you know beautiful and powerful role that she plays so much so that she is a patroness of the dominican order because of her because of her her preaching of the resurrection here that she preaches the resurrection to the apostles um, in the in the south of france the the tradition has it that mary magdalene left Jerusalem and moved eventually located to the south of France and that's where she died and the Dominican friars have um, custody of of the caves and the mountains where where Mary settled and, and the shrines to Mary Magdalene in the southwest of, west of France um, so it's a she she holds a special place in our in the Dominican heart as it were. If we look at the sequence that Father Gregory read for us, there's a line in the middle that says, Speak, Mary, declaring what you saw wayfaring, the tomb of Christ who is living, the glory of Jesus' resurrection, bright angels attesting, the shroud and napkin resting. Yes, Christ, my hope, is arisen. If we think of this, of Mary's role, of these lines in the sequence, um, I guess for those who I was going to say before. Speaking about the sequence directly, the sequence falls in mass just before the hallelujah, before the gospel, so it provides us an awkward opportunity where we're confused as to whether or not we sit or stand, because we're ready to stand for the hallelujah, and the music starts, but it's not yet the hallelujah. Just to be clear, we sit during the sequence, so you can kind of just stay seated, and everyone will look at you like you're doing the wrong thing, but you're doing the right thing, uh, and that's what matters. But this, the Mary's preaching here, Mary Magdalene's preaching here is sort of the fulfillment of what Peter was preaching in in the first reading, that the resurrection is not something that's that that was just kind of happens at a distance that we kind of observe as a historical fact, um, but that the resurrection transforms our lives. necessarily. An encounter with the risen Christ, necessarily changes who we are. Either we become, you know, the, our hearts are hardened, and we turn from it, or our hearts are softened, and we allow our Lord to invite us into his life. Um, and again, as, we were, as I was saying, with respect to the first reading and Peter's preaching, is that that encounter results um, in a proclamation, by our life by our deeds we can't help but proclaim the gospel and we see this throughout the Gospel of John in different ways and, and smaller ways if you think of the Samaritan woman for example she's converted and she goes back to her town to speak about Christ um, we think of the man born blind and how he speaks of Christ you know so you have all these things but the culmination here in the resurrection to proclaim the risen Christ the fulfillment of all prophecy um, has is you know in our midst and and Mary's our great example she's a bold witness to the gospel um, bold enough to preach to the apostles, the the risen Christ, and and to sort of usher that
2: that in. Um, yeah, for just one last thought on the gospel before we, before we wrap up. Um, if I've already told this story to you, listener, my apologies for repeating myself, but I like it so <laughs> full send. Um, I was once at a conference, and there was a talk given by a religious sister, and she described her spiritual practice of looking for testimony of the Lord's love. So she was in formation at a time when pagers were au courant. So um, I guess in pager speak, 143 means I love you because it's like one letter, four letters, three letters. Not only is it like that, it is that. Right. So um, her little kind of code with the Lord was that when she saw 143, she knew that, uh, that he loved her. So she was always on the lookout for these little things. And one day she was like toddling around her property and they were doing some, Home repairs, so I think they were getting new insulation. And so she saw a piece of Tyvek home wrap uh, blowing about and uh, she picked it up, you know, to toss it in the trash. But before she did, she looked at that piece of Tyvek home wrap and found that it was like 14.3 millimeters thick. And she was like, oh, Lord, you are so good to me. And I was listening to this, and I was like, I love you, for one. Also, I love you for two. And I could go on, but I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, But I just love the disposition of one who looks for testimony of the Lord's love. And um, I think that's what what you have here in the gospel. Because you have Mary Magdalene who comes to the tomb in love, and she sees that this huge, huge stone has been rolled away, and she knows that something has happened. She hasn't yet processed what, but she knows. For her, it's testimony of love. And so she goes and witnesses to it. So too, when Peter and John come to the tomb, they see this deliberate movement, like Father Jacob Bertrand identified that uh, the burial cloths and then the sudarium, which would have been on the Lord's head, were in separate places. Like this was done with care. This was done with attention. This was done purposefully. This was done deliberately by one who loves. And so both of them are able to you know kind of see that the lord is about a saving work their their eyes are open their hearts are opened in search of testimony for the lord's love and i think for us it's it's a disposition that we should always be on the lookout for this same kind of the same kind of testimony um, so, the Lord is risen, He is risen indeed, and that changes every aspect of our life. Uh, and we can go about the world thinking like, you know, things are terrible, and people are terrible, and everything is terrible except for me, um, or we could go about looking for testimony to the fact that the Lord is a God who loves us, and even when He permits evil things to befall, uh, whether defects in our own character and the characters of others, right, it's, it's to a purpose, it's deliberately, it's intentionally, it's done with care, it's done with concern, it's done with love. And it's possible thereby um, to find him in the midst of it, to identify how he is present and how he is, you know, tending to us in a, in a, in a careful, attentive, loving way. So I just think that that's, um, that's a grace of this a- Easter season. Um, and it's not saying like, we're all pessimistic, we should be optimistic. Now, it's not like mental gymnastics that I'm actually recommending because I'm physically, mentally, psychologically incapable of that. But it's just to say that like, all right, if he is who he says he is, then that changes everything. So... Let's be on the lookout, because chances are he will surprise us.
0: Amen. Alleluia. We have a couple announcements as we conclude this festive Easter Lexio Divina. Um, the first is that we have released to the god merchandise shop new Easter apparel featuring the cross. Uh, so we have this beautiful image that we've commissioned of the crucifixion of the Lord, complete with a gold crown of thorns. You can guess which friar on on the team fought for that. It was Father Jacob Bertrand.
1: You guessed correctly. He insisted <laughs> Fight for it. I just said, <laughs> I, I said it would look good if it were gold, and per usual, I was right, and everybody agreed. <laughs> he
0: insisted on a gold crown of thorns. Um, so, that, so, uh, the, but this image of the crucifixion is very beautiful. We've paired with it um, a moving quote from Jacques Maritain, and you can now buy it on a comfortable cotton blend hoodie. Um, so we know that it's springtime, and uh, those chill evenings that you'll spend outside uh, on your festive Easter bonfires, uh, welcoming one more the time light ahead. of Christ in festivity in your life. Um, <laughs> you need you, you need the God's planning Hoodie. Gosh, all this uh, all this joyful festivity is just, is just a lot. It's a lot to bear. Um, the, the second announcement is that, uh, you've been, you, you've been hearing us talk about it, um, but we have a retreat planned for this summer, for July. Um, the title of the retreat, that was thought up by somebody, um, you guessed it, Father Jacob Bertrand, uh, as it is in heaven, the Christian life. So this retreat will cover the basis of Christian doctrine. We will read the catechism out loud to you in monotone voices <laughs> and your hearts will be stirred to new dimensions of love. Um, No, we will not be reading the Catechism out loud to you in monotone voices. We will have retreat conferences. We will have adoration. We will have the Holy Mass. Um, There will be other life-giving activities um, in addition to those things. Uh, They'll even
1: be festive. It'll be great.
0: No, Easter will be over. There will be no festivity Uh, by July. Although there is America in July. So anyway, uh, this retreat is going to be held at Immaculate Conception Seminary in Huntington, New York. Um, you can check out information about that on CodSplaining.org. Please consider coming if you're an adult between the ages of 21 and 33. If you're not, can't come. Sorry. Um, I think that is, I think that's all we have for announcements. Is that right, Father Jacob Bertrand?
1: I think so. Okay, That's well, great. See,
0: I have to check in with him, listeners, as you know. Otherwise, he'll he'll, he'll get on <laughs> me about that. Um, may the joy and festivity of the risen Christ uh, burn brightly in your hearts this day. Um, that in a time when so many people, um, when so many people feel their lives threatened by the specter of death and of suffering, we know that Christ, our Lord, is victorious. And so we pray. Look upon your church, O God with unfailing love and favor, so that renewed by the Paschal Mysteries she may come to the glory of the resurrection through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Please like and share the podcast. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.